Hello, this is Brian Metlaga. I'm the Associate Director of Education for the Endourological Society, and I'm pleased to welcome you to this edition of the Endourology Soundbites podcast series, which is sponsored by Richard Wolf. And in this episode, we have the good fortune to welcome Dr. Amy Crambeck, a professor of urology at Indiana University School of Medicine, who will be speaking with us about homium laser enucleation of the prostate. So, Amy, I want to thank you for joining us. And I think that the first thing that we'd like to kind of learn a little bit more about is what was your first exposure to HOLAP? And if you could just walk us through that process of when you began doing it and kind of how you converted that into your management of BPH. Thank you for having me, Dr. Matlaga. It's great to be a part of this podcast. I actually stumbled onto Holup. I had planned to do an endo fellowship at Methodist Hospital with Dr. Lingham after I finished residency at Mayo Clinic. And I went mainly to learn percutaneous renal access, but he had started doing Holup. He had recently visited Gilling within the last five years before I saw him and was doing a lot of Holup. So I learned how to do it as part of the fellowship. And that was in 2008 to 2009. And I did about 100 150 hole-ups during my fellowship. I then went back on staff at Mayo Clinic and made it part of my practice. I was the first person there to do the procedure. And it was very difficult to bring hole-up to a new environment that was so strong in laser ablation. So they were really one of the founding institutions for green light laser ablation. So it took a little bit of time to get hole-up adopted. But once they saw the outcomes and saw how well the patients did, it became about 50% of my practice. Well, now you probably have almost as much experience as anyone, certainly in the United States, if not globally, in performing HOLEP. What do you see as we kind of look at it from the patient standpoint? What are the advantages of HOLEP, both kind of short term and then looking out, you know, kind of longer horizon, more of the long term advantages of the operation? I think the HOLEP that we perform now is much different than the HOLEP I learned in 2008. I think we've had significant advancements in technique as well as laser technology. I would say one of the biggest benefits of HOLEP is reduced risk of bleeding. The procedure can be performed on anticoagulation or antiplatelet therapy. Nowadays, we're even taking the catheter out the same day. So a benefit in the immediate future for a patient is definite ability to avoid even if the patient has a weak bladder or weakened bladder muscles because of long-term BPH, they should be able to void with a hole-up because it's so de-obstructing. So excellent voiding, low risk of bleeding, low risk of overall complications. From a long-term perspective, this should be the last surgery the patient ever needs. So BPH grows throughout the course of someone's lifetime. And as soon as we're done operating, the prostate starts growing. With HOLUP, so much tissue is removed. The patient should really not require another surgical procedure as long as they live. The retreatment rates are extremely low at 10 years. And there was even just a publication at 20-year follow-up. And so, Dr. Krembeck, if you look at that, you know, I think there's benefits from that patient-centric approach. There's benefits to the healthcare system as a whole in terms of resource utilization. So given all of those positives, why do you think that HOLEP hasn't yet become kind of what we term a gold standard therapy for BPH, or do you think it is at this point the gold standard therapy? Well, I think the reason it's not been accepted as the gold standard therapy is because it was not widely adopted. And I think it was not widely adopted for two reasons. One, the original HOLEP was a pretty stressful procedure. I mean, it was a lot of bleeding 
poor visualization. The Morse later was somewhat scary, but with technologic advancements, that's all gone away and it's not as stressful of a procedure. There was also this attitude that holop was extremely hard to learn and only the very gifted could do it. And I think that that was the wrong attitude. You know, it takes around 50 robotic prostatectomies to become a robotic prostate surgeon. Well, it takes about 50 holops to be a good holop surgeon. So I think we need to overcome this idea that you can't learn it, that only the special few can do it, and that this procedure is something everyone can do. And if we can overcome that, then I think HOLUP should be the gold standard. And Dr. Kramick, you touched a little bit on advancements of the procedure. You know, as we sit here in 2020, what do you think are the really important advancements that we've seen in HOLUP? So from my standpoint, I think most people who know me know that I'm a big proponent of the Moses technology. And I'm not a proponent of the Moses technology because of what it does for stones. I'm a proponent for what it does for BPH. So using the homium laser, you can now get excellent hemostasis and still maintain your tissue planes. So it's almost a near bloodless surgery now, but it's not like thulium where you get the charring effect You still can see the plane separation, but there's very minimal bleeding now with this new technology. And I just can't say enough good about that. And I think with the minimal bleeding, it's a much easier surgery to teach, and it's much less stressful for the learner to adopt. So this is all making an incredibly strong case for HOLEP. So if you were in practice at this point in time and wanted to begin to learn how to do the procedure, what do you see as kind of the options and pathways for that? So nowadays, a lot of residency programs are teaching HOLUP. So I think for the younger individuals that haven't matched in a residency program, if you really wanted to do that, you can find programs that are doing it. If you're in a residency program and want to learn HOLUP, then there's several fellowships you could sign up for that are one or two years to learn it. If you're out of fellowship and you're in private practice or individual practice, learning HOLUP is a little more difficult, but not impossible. I would suggest first going to watch someone. There's several individuals in the United States who perform HOLUP, which will let you come and watch for a day. And when you go do that observation, you want to bring someone from your OR with you, whether it be a nurse that you work with frequently or a scrub tech, so that they can see the equipment and the setup and what all it takes. Then when you go back, watch videos, get the equipment. A lot of times the reps will bring in the equipment for you to try. And then see if you can get a preceptor to come watch you. That's actually quite possible if you just ask individuals, they will come and watch you for a day or two. And I think if you're very dedicated to it and patient, then I think you can learn it. There are a few tips and tricks to starting. One is don't tackle 200 gram prostates. Those are too big for you. You're going to have partners who want to send them to you because you're doing holop. But really, you need to be looking at that 80 to 100 gram prostate. That's the best prostate to start out on. The second thing is, is avoid patients who have chronic catheterization or infection. Those patients tend to bleed a little bit more and you're going to be frustrated because you will have to stop your dissection to control the bleeding. And third is don't go too small. If you go below 80 grams, the planes are very difficult to find. I've seen a lot of people trying to learn holop go extremely small and they get bad perforations and struggle. And so too small is not good and too big is not good. You want to stick between that 80 and 100. And then the final thing I would say is don't get frustrated. Understand that you're going to be slow 
It's not going to be perfect. And it's going to take about 50 cases before you feel really good with it. But if you have a practice that refers to you and you have supporting partners, you should be able to learn this procedure. And building off of this line of discussion of, you know, kind of case selection when you start in your practice, which is obviously a very mature OLAP practice, what are your indications for OLAP? A man with a prostate who's having difficulty voiding. So I want to see a fairly high AUA score. I want to see it in the teens to 20s at least. In my opinion, they don't have to fail medical therapy. The only thing they do have to do is they have to accept two things. One of them is that if they undergo the surgical procedure, they will develop retrograde ejaculation. It won't come back. It's permanent. And it must be something that they accept. You know, holop doesn't affect erections, so patients will still have erections. They can still have intercourse, but it will be different. And they need to be able to accept that before I would operate on them. And the second indication would be they must be able to accept the idea of temporary incontinence. Because so much tissue is being removed, about 30% of men will have fairly significant urinary leakage for a period of time after surgery. And they have to be willing to accept that and work through that until that resolves. It should not be permanent, but it is a period of time where they have to adjust and do some physical therapy rehab with their pelvis. And so as long as they can accept those two things and they have significant voiding symptoms, I'm fine doing the procedure. And that's something that you have as part of your standard preoperative consent process, discussion with the patients. Yes. And it's so important to talk to them about this because when you see them, all they want is to void better and to urinate better. But then the next time you see them, now they're urinating and voiding better and then they focus on the things they don't have. So it's very important that you have informed consent and it's a decision that you're both making together. And have you seen in your whole practice that it's a, if you build it, they will come phenomenon where just as you become more facile with the technique, you see just a growth of patients that are presenting for the operation? For certain. I would tell anyone who is thinking about learning how to do holop that if that's not what they want to do the rest of their career, they should not learn how to do it. Because once you are capable of doing holop, the word gets out and your practice is made. People will come from all over to get the procedure. Physicians are just really looking for someone to tackle these big prostates, these difficult cases. And once they know you can do it, you have a built practice. Dr. Krambeck, I'd like to thank you for being a part of this podcast series, The Endourology Soundbites, sponsored by Richard Wolf. It's really been an amazing opportunity to spend this time to learn your insights into a procedure that really seems to be on a fairly steep growth trajectory. So I just want to thank you for being a part of this program. Well, thank you so much for having me. And, you know, if there's any individual that is interested in learning HOLUP, they can feel free to reach out to me. I'm always available. Thank you so much. And as always, on behalf of the Society, we invite the members to continue to join us in this podcast series as we explore other aspects of endourology. So thank you very much for joining us.